In today's show, we look back at all of the action from Tuesday in the NBA, including whether LeBron James beat the all-time scoring record. I don't know. I'm recording this before the game's finished. I'll talk about it later on. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So we're here, ready for Tuesday. Um, we'll talk about LeBron later on. It's annoying that it's the last game of the night because how I record these, I record parts of things through the day and then so I can get it out timely to you guys as soon as that last game's over. So I can't tell you what a historic day in the NBA it is. It looks like it's going to be. But I can't tell you that just yet. We'll talk about it later on. We'll, we'll rightfully celebrate LeBron if he does break the record later on in the show. We don't know that yet. Fingers crossed that he gets there. I'm pretty sure he will. I hope he does. Um, but it is looking that way at the time of me recording this intro to the show. That's lots of preamble. Trade deadline. We are almost there. Uh, a day or so away from getting there. Don't forget, live trade deadline show, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Thursday, February 9th. We'll be going for a couple of hours. Talking about the trades that are going down, the implications, um, immediate reactions to stuff and having some discussions with some people. Matt Lawson, Zach Hanshu, Mitch Casey are going to be on with me discussing a bunch of things that do go down uh, from the NBA trade deadline and their fantasy basketball ramifications. So hit the link, go hit the thumbs up as well. We get it to 500 likes before we go live. That would be awesome, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> um, I just realized that that is the wrong slide. What a great start to the show. Better fix that. There we go. That's much better. We've got updates on Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson, and both of them will not be back before the All-Star break. We're thinking maybe maybe it's the start of March. Maybe it's the very end of February for both of these guys to return. We were hopeful. There was some hope, not for Zion. I don't think he was ever hopeful that he was returning before the All-Star break, but there was some hope that Kevin Durant would be able to suit up at some point next week, but that's done. That's dusted. He's out of the All-Star break. Last season, when he came back from that MCL injury post-All-Star, there was really no minutes restriction at all. He just sort of played 35, 36 minutes a night, played back-to-backs as they needed to really push and get wins. They're not in quite as precarious a position, but the longer he is out, the, the worse it's going to be for them. So we'll see what they end up doing there, but that's obviously not great news for Kevin Durant. It helps a lot of the other players on the Nets that he's going to be out for those extra probably two to three weeks, I would guess, maybe seven, eight more games for Durant. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the Nets game later on. And as for Zion, we just keep rolling with Trey Murphy, a little bit of a boost there for Herb Jones. Brandon Ingram gets a boost as well, as does CJ McCollum in that scenario. We did get two trades today. They're pretty inconsequential. Dwayne Dedman goes from Miami to San Antonio. No, I don't believe that he is going to be someone who eats into Zach Collins or even Charles Bassey's time. It's purely a... Um, like transactional thing to save the Heat some money. They didn't bring Deadman in to replace Yucca Pirtle. He's pretty washed at the moment. He has familiarity there, but he'll sort of play that third role that Gorgie Jeng played for a little bit of time, and Jeng's sort of been in and out of, of that roster. So don't worry about that with Deadman. And Kessler Edwards goes from Brooklyn to Sacramento. Their wing depth is pretty horrible. Like Casey Okpala is the next best wing, so Kessler Edwards is probably better than Okpala. 
but he's going to play in their G League and then he's not going to see many minutes anyway. So I do like Edwards a little bit long-term as a maybe a guy that can be a rotational piece. I don't think that's going to happen this season, but they are the two trades that went down. So they are you know, worth talking about because they're trades that happened, but obviously not really impacting anything from a fantasy point of view. If you look at the top waiver ads over the last 24 hours, number one was Edmund Sumner, and he lost basically all of his value today with Ben Simmons back, pushed him to the bench. He barely played. Um, again, he's going to be very clearly droppable here in uh, in 12-team leagues with the deadline coming up. Oyo up 11%. That worked out pretty well with no DeMar DeRozan today. I still don't believe that DeSumo uh, is going to maintain 12-team uh, value at, at this or moving forward. But if you added him, it worked out okay today. Cam Thomas up 10%. He's got to be rostered basically uh, everywhere at this stage. And he had, again, we're going to talk about Cam Thomas later on. Don't worry about that. Um, He had another huge game. And look, it is really, look, it's impossible to resist what he's doing. He's been amazing. And he continues to amaze every single game. But we'll talk about that more in some detail later on. Um, But yeah, he was one of the the top ads there. I'm going to check what his actual Yahoo roster percentage is. 68. So he's still available in some leagues there, Cam. Hmm. All right. Xavier T. Ilman went up 10%. I've got thoughts on that center rotation as well. That didn't work out too well. Malachi Branham up 9%. He's an interesting short-term guy with maybe some value, I think, later on in March, but I'm not convinced about it in that interim period. Eric Gordon up 8%. It's definitely a stream because he might be good tomorrow and then might get traded and have nothingness. So I don't really love that as an ad. Santi Aldama was an absolute waste of an ad. That was up 8%. And Boucher up 8%. I don't mind that one. We'll see what ends up happening with the, the Raptors. But his minutes have pushed up the last couple of games. That's an okay speculative flyer type of an ad. Look, much better than adding, say, a Santi Aldama, in my opinion. For the most dropped players, number one was Tari regular season. It just keeps happening where he just doesn't get the minutes. They don't play him at small forward. And the production is very like up and down. And there's no reliability there. So I t- I'm totally okay with that. I have no problem. With, I've said this many, many times with Tari Eason all the way back from when I gave him the nickname Tari preseason. Because what he was doing in the preseason, people were frothing him. I said, I don't know that this is going to carry over. Or I don't know how this is going to carry over. And it's basically played out exactly like this. I think he's still a really solid player, makes a lot of dumb mistakes offensively still, and has some efficiency problems at times, but he is impactful. But it's just not likely to happen, it doesn't look like. Alec Burks, he was down uh, 11%. Alec Burks. Sorry for missing the Pistons recap yesterday. Burks' minutes, if he's playing 19 minutes, we're not holding him. Even if he's playing 25, we're not. And he played 19 yesterday. Drop him, no problem. Neesmith down nine. This is going to be this guy all season. Hot games, add him. Bad games, drop him. It's going to be a roller coaster. And what will end up probably happening is he'll have good games, people will add him. Then he has the bad games when he's on rosters, then he'll get dropped. And then he'll have the hot games when he's on the waiver wire, then people will add him, and so forth. And so. And then he ends up, on the time that he's on your roster, like the 250th best player, and the time that you don't have him, like the 80th best player. I feel like it's going to be frustrating like that. So I feel like if you do add Neesmith, you just got to get him and commit because it's going to be bad and good, or you just leave him on the wire, because it's you're timing when the good games are going to be. Like, who knows? Um, Malik Beasley down 8%. Absolutely fine. Rui Hachimura down 7%. Totally a drop. Jeremy Sohan down 6 He's out again. So really hard for a fringe guy to be considered a must roster. I'm okay with that. Dylan Wright, similarly. Um, his value was dried right up. And then Nazareth Reed, the Wizard of Noz. He, um, he actually started today's game with Kyle Anderson out, but I've got no problem with that as a longer-term drop. I don't really see... Um, him having or maintaining 12-team value rest of season. It's hard to get to that, in my opinion. 
Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check with check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. So LinkedIn Jobs is why, or that's why people have LinkedIn Jobs number one versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We should go to the games now. Let's do that. First one. The New York Knicks and the Orlando Magic. Should I do it even though they lost? Yeah. The Knicks get the win over the Magic 102-98. Just an absolute... And I say this all the time and people always get upset at me saying it, but the end of game free throw thing is ridiculous and it needs to go. This is sport and I know that, you know, and whenever I say it, oh, man, you never even played basketball. Have you ever played the game? Fouling up three makes sense. I know, I know. It's a failure in the rules. And this game, the last you know, 30 seconds, went for about 15 minutes through timeouts and intentional fouls. And it's not saying that it's not the right move. It is 100% the right move because that is the way the rules are set up. But it needs to go. Like, it's an entertainment product. Sport is an entertainment product. And sitting through a free throw shooting contest to prevent teams getting shots off is, is just absolutely ridiculous. No one wants to watch it. It happened in two, two games today. Uh, and something, something needs to change with it. It's just, it's a, it's a horrible um, product to watch, whether you're in stadium. I think even being part of the game, like free throws, like I can't actually do anything, defend someone. I can't do anything. It's just like, can they hit free throws? It's boring. And, I, and it's just, it's antithetical to what the rules should be, I believe. But that's what we had in this game. So that was cool. Jalen Brunson, 39 minutes, 25, 2 and 5, and the double royal Julius Randle. It's a very Randle game. 22, 14 and 6, no defensive stats and poor from the line. He was okay from the field, but he just keeps doing Randall stuff. It can't really be stopped. RJ Barrett did Barrett stuff. And by that, I mean he had 15, 2, and 3 on 31% of 50 from the line. And I'm done with this guy. I'm done. Show me. Improve for 50 games, and then I'll believe it. I'm done. He's just never improving. And I know that's like a hyperbolic, and maybe he does improve. But until you show me, I'm just assuming that you're never improving. You've had every opportunity in the world. This is year four. You've had those minutes. You've had the role. You've had the starting gig the entire time, and nothing changes. It's the same all the time. And your fantasy value continues to suck. At least he's inside the top 200. That's the best thing I can say about him for category leagues. Points leagues, again, same stuff, 80s to 90s. But his inability to get defensive stats and to be inefficient all the time um, is what makes him a really hard 12-team category league player. We thought we are getting a good pattern with Isaiah Hartenstein. Unfortunately, he played only 13 minutes, and that was because of five fouls, so we're not ruling that out completely. But that stinks. Two and three, well, that meant Sims played 35 minutes. Didn't do much with it. You just made the list. But it wasn't terrible. Eight and nine with two steals for Jericho Sims. But I still think that out of those two, Hartenstein's the guy to go for. But there's always going to be something that pops up. Grimey played 30 minutes. This briefcase and this haircut. Um, yeah, like nine, four, one. Fine. I don't believe these must roster. And by when I say must roster, someone called me out on this on one of the shows. Say, hey, why don't you say top 120 or top 100? And it's fair enough. But... I, I, well, I don't think that he is a top 125 player. 
And in majority of 10 and 12 team leagues, that means you don't have to have him on your roster. You can, and he'll just get there from accumulation of minutes and just slow little numbers. But there's nothing that's really game-changing about what he does. And a lot of the time, streaming that roster spot, I think gives you better return on investment. And definitely in a point, so you get more value that way. Quickly at 32 minutes, 18, 3, and 4. Not a bad game from Emmanuel with four threes. But like Grimes, he's so up and down. Actually, no, Grimes is more steadily below average, whereas Quickly's like really good or, or quite poor. And it becomes all over the place where the numbers end up being the same. And much like with Aaron Neesmith we talked about earlier, finding wins the big Quickly game versus the bad Quickly game, you're going to end up chasing stuff. So if you commit to him, and that probably doesn't end up with a good overall result, or you just leave him on the wire, and then on desperation days, you try it and you see what happens. I feel like that's pretty much where we are with Quickly at the moment. For the Magic, really good game from Fulte, 32 minutes, 21, 4, and 6, 75%. That's obviously going to come down. And we highlighted Franz Wagner on the um, Buy Low, Sell High show today and just said what he's been doing with the shooting numbers is going to come up. Like he's shooting at these horrible numbers. And it did. 18, 2, and 4. The usage still not quite where we want it to be, but at least the shooting numbers jump back up. So a better performance there. Gaz Harris had three points. Cool. Well, Paolo continues to just like obliterate you. Like he's almost RJ Barretting you at the moment. Now, I am giving him a little bit of extra leeway because I've given Barrett three and a half in terms of maybe there's improvement. But 16, 8, and 5, 40 from the field, 50 from the line, they're really bad. And that's what drops him way down the rankings. It's going to be his fantasy ranking spot next season. I think he's going to be really divisive. Be interesting to see what happens. Bowl had zero points in 14 minutes. Well, John Isaac played 12 and had two and five. Again, Isaac's a luxury stash. Bowl's not even that. And Suggsy had three points in 21 minutes. We don't roster Jalen Suggs in 12 team leagues. As for Cole Anthony, I still don't really know what to get out of it. Nine points, 21 minutes. That's not useful enough. But then he'll have a game where he has 20 points in 25 minutes. I think overall, he's a streamable player who's not a must-roster 12-team league guy. That can change. But at the moment, that's sort of where I'm sitting with him. The Atlanta Hawks and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans, they win 116-107. That's three straight for the Pels after a 10-game losing streak. Trey Young returned. And I don't think Trey Young's becoming a first-round player this season. His shooting is just really terrible. He was at 29% in this game, 16-3 and 16. The usage has been okay. The assist numbers have been fine. He just can't shoot anymore. And I don't really know what it is. Now, someone asked me this on the pregame show. Hey, do you think he can be a first-rounder? And I said, no, but I'm not precluding him being a first-rounder for the stretch of your fantasy playoffs. He's clearly got it in him because he can shoot better than this. And really, all he needs to do is put together a two- to three-week hot shooting stretch to be a top 12, top 14 sort of a player. But it's been a very disappointing season. DeJounte Murray, 19-5-7. and seven, That's really strong. And we also highlighted the Baptist Johnny Collins on the buy-low show saying, man, look, why can't this bloke shoot? So then he went out and had 15-6 and six on 67% with two blocks. Hooray. Whether that is something that sticks, I don't know, but we were hoping for something. They went small a lot in this game. So Okongwu played 20 minutes. Capella played 23. So that's a lot of Collins at center. Um, and it wasn't because DeAndre Hunter was playing well. He only played 27 minutes and had foul trouble. And DeAndre hunted his way to three points on 0 of 9 shooting. We've talked about him a lot as well, how consistently he's been not a 12-team league player, but had that nice little hot streak. Well, that seems to have cooled off. I don't mind a hold of him, but he still is more likely to me a fringe 12-team league player, like a top 150, top 140 sort of a guy versus a top 110 sort of a player. Uh, Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich had played like 25 minutes a night the last couple when he wasn't, uh, or when Trey was uh, was in. And this one, he got more. 31 minutes, 22 points. Really nice night from him. He's a very hard one for me to fully understand where we're headed. Uh, I think he probably can be a 12-team league guy, but I'm not super passionate about it. Like if he's dropped, it's okay. And if he's added, it's okay. I lean more towards adding him. I've got him as like a top 140 guy rest of season, but probably not a top 100 player. 
For the Pelicans, Ingram looks back, which is great. 30-3, and three, 8 assists, 61%. We love that. And Valanciunas returned after it looked like he might be missing some time. He only missed the one game. Jonas Vassal Inuansas. Really good from him. 16 and 14 in 26 minutes. Larry Nance struggled a bit. 7 and 6 with two steals. But realistically, you get Nance for some rebounds. Got him. Steals. Got him. The other stuff not really there. I think he still is a 12-team hold. Kyra Lewis ahead of Devontae Graham again. Interesting for Dynasty Leagues. While Herbalife Jones had a pretty strong game. 11 and 9. Three steals and a block. His ups and downs are all over the place. Again, he can be rostered, but he also doesn't have to be. And Trey Murphy had 16, 4, and 2 with four threes. I would much rather roll with Trey than Herb at this point, but I think Herb's got the ability to be like the 130th best player when this team's fully healthy, where I think Trey probably goes to 160th. So in the short term, Trey bumps up, but he's likely to fall behind Herb later on is the way that I sort of see that going. Again, we'll find out when Zion eventually comes back, which hopefully... Well, hopefully it's not too long after the All-Star break. That would be great if we could get him back uh, get him back fully ready to go and, uh, and rolling. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fanjul. You only need one app at your Super Bowl party, and that's Fanjul, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're number one sportsbook in America, Fanjul. And if you're new to Fanjul, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet, and you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Any change in the spread? I'm guessing it's still Eagles 1.5. It is still Eagles 1.5. But we can look at some anytime touchdown scorers, and you've got Miles Sanders at plus 120 with the same odds as Isaiah Pacheco. Does that add up to you, football fans? I don't know. They're both the... Is Pacheco the starter, or do they start McKinnon in the running back? running back spot for the Chiefs. I don't know. Anyway, there's some odds that are available over on Fangio. The Fangio Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join Fangio today at Fangio.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's Fangio.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fangio, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. The Suns finally had their starting lineup all together. And they win 116-112. It was really a weird game. They got out to a pretty decent lead and then it got chipped away in the last minute or so with a bunch of free throws and then them missing their free throws. And it probably wasn't quite as close as that final score would suggest. It was a really good game from DeAndre Ayton. 35 minutes, 35 and 15, got to the line eight times. So that, you couldn't ask for much more from Ayton than, than this game, I don't think. Chris Ball, nine points on 30% is bad, but 12 assists, five steals, and two blocks is awesome. And it was great to have Devin Booker back out there. 26 minutes, 19, four, and six. A bit rusty, missed a couple of late free throws. The 26 minutes is encouraging. He shouldn't be too far away from getting 30. That's a really, really positive sign. And with Devin Booker back, Cam Johnson still was able to do his thing. 14 and five, two threes, good efficiency. Someone asked me, what is Cam Johnson as a player for a category league? And I said, he's a points and threes guy, but he does it on good efficiency as opposed to a Tim Hardaway or a Malik Beasley who can do it on 43%. He does it on 51, 52. And that's where he gets a slight edge over those guys. Don't expect too much more. He's never going to get to the line in big volume. He's not going to be an assists or steals or blocks guy. He's a points and threes. He's Michael Porter Jr. He's points and threes with strong field goal percentage. And that's the extra kick that he gets over some of those gunner type guards. And he sort of did it here. 
We also had Mikhail Bridges on the buy low, sell high, talking about, hey, what's going to happen when Booker returns? What's going to happen to his usage? His usage didn't actually drop that much. We talked about his assist rate. That did. So he went down to 21, 8, and 2. But he still shot inefficiently, 44% from the field with a 22 usage. I think there's going to be a bit of a drop off on his usage. I think he was a 15% usage player last season. So there is a fair way that that can drop off. I don't know that it will, but there is a fair way that that can drop. But overall, a pretty solid game there, I think, from Mikhail Bridges. Tory Craig had 25 minutes, also had some horrendous turnovers towards the end of the game that basically let the Nets get back in it. He had three and four in 25 minutes. I don't imagine those 25 minutes will stick at that level. Damo Lee had five points in 22. And then on the Nets side of things, what about Cam Thomas? Just amazing. Again, like this level of scoring is ridiculous. But you know what? We still don't actually know what's going to happen with this team because there's still no Kevin Durant out for at least four to five more games, probably more, but at least four to five. Um, Finney Smith and Dinwiddie didn't play and Seth Curry is probably two to three um, games away as well so we still don't fully understand now I said I don't I wouldn't have added him after the trade because I didn't expect him to be able to have um, long-term value right and I still don't know the the answer to that question because we don't know because there's still a lot that has to happen but I also didn't expect him to have the best scoring run of any young player in the history of the NBA which he did He ended up with 43 points with three threes, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. Now, some of the elite shooting did drop off here, 48% shooting overall, but he still hit 57% of his twos, and he went a crazy 18 of 20 from the line. Now, I did tweet this out, and people act like I was just hating on the guy, but what was important to note, he had 22 first half points, and he was doing the same thing that he always does. Great efficiency. They were giving him the ball every time. In the second half, the Suns went, no. Like they just said, no, you're not doing this. And they sent a lot of double teams at him and they got a lot of turnovers off him or were able to strip the ball off him and force him into some bad shots. And he had like eight points in the second half and shot one of eight. And then in the last one minute and 30 seconds, he scored 13 points on a lot of those fouls, which is still unbelievable that he was able to, even in a half where they targeted him and he struggled with the shot and he couldn't get anything going, that he was still able to get to 40 points and still score 21 points in that second half despite being really enveloped for what's you know, 22 and a half minutes out of the 24 in the second half. They had his number for that time and he still broke uh, broke free for a crazy scoring stretch. That is like a testament to how good of a scorer he is and he is an unbelievably good scorer. I still don't know where he fits in, but what I do know is that Joe Harris looks washed. So I can easily see Joe Harris being kicked out of the rotation now for Thomas. And I didn't, you know, three days ago, I didn't think that would be possible. I don't know where it fits with Finney Smith and Dinwiddie and Seth and obviously Durant. And he's not going to lead the team with 39 usage every game. It's just, it's just not going to happen as we move forward. And there's going to be some games where teams really start to focus on him and try and take some of the stuff away. All right, should you have added him when the trade went down? Like, obviously, in hindsight, yes. But I still don't know the overall outcome of how these players go. There are still some really... Like, their two best players aren't playing. Dinwiddie and Durant, they are not playing. They, they are the two best players. They are not playing. And we don't know what it impacts. We don't know if... Thomas will start. Will they start Dinwiddie, Thomas, um, Simmons, Finney Smith, Claxton, leaving O'Neal and Curry on the bench? And then you still got Durant to fit into that. There's just so many complicating factors here. I still believe that trying to sell high on him, and I reckon you can get top 60 value from some people, but others you don't. You just write it out. But if you can coerce someone into doing that, it's a big W. Surely it is. And if you can't, you just enjoy what you're getting. I get stuff wrong all the time. And I didn't expect, again, but I also, I try to look at it this way and go, if I had to come out and say, you know what, guys, I think Cam's going to drop 40 in a row, uh, 40 points, three games in a row, um, and do it on 40% usage and be a 60% three-point shooter. Like, it's insane to predict that. And I, I obviously didn't, and he did it. So in the end, the result is wrong. But I'm still, 
I still don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, I don't know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And I maintain a level of some degree of skepticism as to him being able to maintain this. But this is obviously a historic run, a fantastic run, and it's great to see. And the book is still open to see where it goes. Claxton was pretty good as well. 17 and 13 with three steals, while Sumner lost everything. He was playing well and played 16 minutes. You can drop him if you had him. Seven points, two steals. Ben Simmons, I don't know what to do, really. Like two points on two shots, that's horrible. But he still got six assists. He still had a steal. He still had a block. He was setting things up well, like he sets good screens. I don't don't know what you do with him in fantasy. I don't think you drop just yet, but he's absolutely not immune to being dropped. Obviously, we're not rostering Joe Harris anywhere, surely. And Royce O'Neal, I think he's probably a drop. We thought he'd get hurt by the addition of Finney Smith. And Finney Smith's not even there, and he's just doing nothing, like hanging around the back end, three, four, and six. The six assists are nice, but I'm not all that excited. Like when we get to the deadline and things open up, like if you want to drop someone, like O'Neal is droppable. He'll have some better games. He'll have some worse games, but he's droppable. TJ Warren finally emerged. Thanks, mate. 17 and two in 22 minutes. I don't care. I'm not really going to add him. He did it on no other stats whatsoever, um, but it was just good to get a good game out of him. We just haven't had that many of those recently. Let's go to the next one. The Chicago Bulls and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies 104, the Bulls 89. No DeRozan in this one. So Vooch had 28, 17, 6 with three steals. That's a huge game from Vooch. And Zach Levine had one of the weirdest uh, stat lines you'll see. Because if you're looking at Levine, he played 40 minutes and he had 24 points. You go, Josh, why is that weird? Then you go, he had had one assist and he shot 10 of 17 for 59% from the line. This is a really good free throw shooter, and he just literally might have gone ahead and lost you the week in free throw percentage, like out of nowhere. Why? I have no idea what happened. Why couldn't he hit any free throws today? Obviously, mental things are a part of it, and you know it gets in your head. But that's like that's just weird. Caruso started for DeRozan in uh, his return from that foot sprain. Two six and five with a steal. He's not a twelve team must. He's a stream sort of a player. And Desumu stepped it up into thirty eight minutes without DeRozan. Pretty good game from him. Fourteen four and six two blocks. Long term, I don't see it. But if DeRozan is out, by all means, stream him in. If we were streaming, but I don't see the the gigantic long term upside in what Desumu can do. But what I did see is that Pat Williams couldn't really take advantage. Nine and five, thirty two minutes, forty percent. Very hard to have him justified as a 12-team league guy with these continued sort of failures when given the opportunity to step up. For the Grizzlies, Jar returned. He had 34, 6, and 7 with four threes. Very efficient. And Jaron Jackson was great as well. 24 points, two steals, five blocks, two triples, an immense game from him. Strong from Bain as well. 17, 6, and 5, two steals and a block. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that all of the starters played well. Because Dylan Brooks then had five points on 17% shooting. And why does this guy take so many shots and continues to be the most annoying offensive player to watch in the world, yet still somehow justifies being out there through his defense is one of the more frustrating things in the entire NBA. Like five points on, seven, on 17% is horrific, and he was a plus 10. And he still always plays good defense. I just wish the bloke would just Tony Snell it and just never shoot. But he's never going to do it. And it's the trade-off, apparently, dealing with him and his personality that you've got to let him do make these mistakes, which probably ends up hampering this team in the long run in order to get his good defense. I talked about people adding Santi Aldama. He had five points in 17 minutes. It's a pretty clear drop there. While the center situation, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Xavier Tillman played 23 minutes and had six and two, while Clark had 13 and 13 in 25 minutes. And it's getting to the stage. Well, it's not getting there. It's there. It's not worth the hassle to figure out who's going to start each game and who's going to get the minutes each game and trying to guess and then blowing a waiver ad and blowing a game that's not worth it. I'd rather someone else deal with the nonsense and just go with other players because I don't know game by game who's going to play the minutes, who's going to get the starting job, who's going to perform. 
Nobody does. It's all over the place. There was not like there was foul trouble here from T. Ullman. Clark had his good run coming off the bench, but we can't trust any of it. And the thing that's interesting is Tillman's 155th over the last week and Clark's 157th. Both the same, both outside of 12 teams. And you know what? That's where I think I'll leave them. It's just too frustrating to try and work out when it's happening, why it's happening, um, when there's no rhyme nor reason or no easily discernible pattern. I think you just get yourself lost and probably sacrificing a lot by trying to chase that, find the right guy, and waste waiver moves on it. It just doesn't feel like the payoff is going to be worth it to do that. I don't really know how much we take out of this game. It was a blow. It was like 80 to 40 in like the second quarter or start of the third quarter or something like that. The Nuggets beat the Wolves 146-112. This is what you need to know. Josh Minot played 17 minutes and had 11 points with two blocks. I mean, that's all well and good for old Joshy, but like, what are we taking out of this game? The answer is absolutely nothing. D'Angelo Russell got ejected. This game, again, should I even say a single thing about this game? I don't think so. I'm trying to just scan through to see if anything actually stands out. And the answer is just no. Like, it's, it's, there's not. Now, they play tomorrow, the Wolves, so they preserved a lot of guys like Gobert. Uh, McLaughlin played only eight minutes, so he might go tomorrow. Kyle Anderson was out. We only got 21 minutes from Ant, but there's just nothing. There's honestly nothing to say. Absolutely nothing to read into, nothing to take away, and I'm not going to waste your time with it anymore. For the Nuggets, again, what are we taking away here? We had Magaporta Jr. have 30 points. They did this without... Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic had 20 and 12 with 16 assists, a huge game. Aaron Gordon had just an astonishing performance. 24, 3 and 8, 4 steals and 2 blocks. But the opponent was useless. Still didn't get any Bones Highland minutes, of course. Bruce Brown started, only played 9 minutes. I think he's a hold. Like, I don't think you do anything based on this. Like Chanchar was pretty good, but what do you do? Nothing. Just a terrible game in the middle of a day full of interesting games and interesting performances. And honestly, I'm not going to waste your time with it. There's just no point diving through the details to tell you absolutely nothing. So now let's do the final game of the night. And yes, it happened. It was probably always likely going to happen. LeBron James breaks the NBA's all-time scoring mark and the Lakers lose by three to the Thunder at home. We'll talk about the Thunder first, 133 over the Lakers, 130. How uh, How about old mate? The Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country, let's ride. He'd been struggling a little bit the last week. 25-7-2, six steals and a block. 53% shooting, 24 usage. That's a fantastic performance. He remains a 12-team league guy, pretty obviously. While Shea had 30 with eight assists and two steals, and Giddy had 20-5 and five with six assists. Bit empty outside of those points, rebounds, assists there for Giddy, but still strong numbers. Giddy prior to today was the 17th-ranked player over the last week, which is a little bit surprising, ahead of Shea. I think probably the most surprising game here was Lakers legend Mike Muscala having 16 points with four threes. Maybe it was Isaiah Joe having 15 points with five threes. Both of those guys are always in the mix as three-point streamers. But the actual real surprising performance was Pig Williams, who started along with Kenrich Williams and Bronco Williams. Pig played 31 minutes, 14-7-7 with two steals. That's really good. And you look at that and you go, ooh, okay. And then you look at it and you go, the assist reel. And I haven't mentioned it probably to my own detriment enough on this show. He's got an assist rate, Jalen Williams, Pig Williams, of like 4.2 per 100 possessions, which for a center is actually really bloody high. So he's been flashing this a little bit. Now, of course, it's hard to have confidence in how they start a center every game, but he started two in a row. Now, of course, they changed and moved Aaron Wiggins out of the lineup and put Kenrich Williams in. So there was still a change, but Pig Williams started two in a row. I don't think he's an ad, especially we've got Robinson Earl coming back, but he's a, he's a very hard watch. It's a very, very interesting watch. 14-7-7, two steals and two blocks. Now, as a center, he literally never gets blocks. I think he's had like 
five all season. I don't know. Something stupidly low. I don't have it in front of me. He hasn't got any blocks all season. But the assists are interesting. The minutes are interesting. He hit a couple of threes. I'm very much watching Pig Williams here. Again, I think they'll go Kit Pig and Kenrich and Muscala and then Robinson Earl and a bunch of guys rotating through. But we saw a little bit of that early on with Bronco Williams, and then he established. I wonder if Pig can establish himself as well. I'm not ready to make that call. I'm not going to add him. But if you're in a deeper league, you're probably like a real deep 20 team, 30 team. You probably want to consider it. Very interesting, that little development there. A little wrinkle that get, gets hidden in a historic performance on the other side. And that is LeBron James, who played 34 minutes. LeBron James. He needed 36 points to break the record. He got to 38 and then just said, I'm done and sat down. And I'm telling you now, I said this on a sell high show a couple of weeks ago. Now that he's broken the record, that foot is really bothering him. The game was close to the end. He was on the bench. There's no, I say this understanding that, and I hope you understand it as well. When I say there's no way, there is still a way. There is a chance. We're not ruling it out. There's no way he plays on Thursday. I think we should at least look at it as market in our head that LeBron is doubtful for Thursday. They'll mark him questionable on the injury report. There's no way he's playing. He is going to sit some games here down the stretch. The foot is legitimately hurt. He's broken the record. There are going to be games off here. And Thursday is going to be one of them. I'm pretty sure. 38, 7, and 3. Three steals, four triples. He's been amazing, LeBron, all season. He was amazing in this game. He just When he wanted to, he just did whatever he wanted. And at this age and at this level of miles on his body, it really is unbelievable. Now, I actually don't care about the GOAT debate. I know as soon as you put something out, people just get so fired up. Man, it's, oh, it's definitely the problem. Oh, it's John. I actually don't care either way. And I don't think it actually matters that much. But he's at least you've got to have that discussion about it if you want to. I don't want to. He's been awesome. He continues to be awesome. He does some weird things that are corny sometimes off the court. He's frustrating with some of the middling in the front office. We know all of this. But as an encore performer, like the some of the stuff is ridiculous. And he did it again here. I thought Anthony Davis was bad in this game. I don't know what was going on. He just didn't look right at all. 13 and 8, three steals and a block. That's not a terrible performance, but he just looked off. Maybe the whole game, the whole weirdness of the situation got to him. I don't know. He was weird. Russ was actually good though. And does that does Russ being good mean? Price of the brick going up. Nah, I doubt it. But he had 27, 4 and 8 with two steals, four threes, a block. Actually, a really strong Russ game apart from the uh, three of six from the line. Hachimura just delivered a Hachimura. Really, this is as Rui as it gets. 14 and 6 with 1-3. And you'll be shocked to know that he had zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks. He was 3 or 4 from the line, which is pretty good. And 71 from the field, which is pretty good. He's still in no way a 12-team league player. Not remotely close. Dennis Schroeder isn't, but also is. And hear me out. 10 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists is a bad line. He didn't hit any threes. And when this team is like this, there's no reason to have Dennis Schroeder. But if you've got him, as I said, I am mentally marking LeBron James as doubtful for Thursday. And that means Schroeder gets more usage and ball handling chances. And therefore, you want to hold him through that game. And he might have intermittent value in games that LeBron sits rest of the way. But that, and he does this so often, is not remotely a 12-team league guy. Obviously, not, not a, uh, obviously, Lonnie Walker isn't either. Eight points for him. And Pat Beverly had seven points in his time. And we can surely we can feel comfortable dropping Tom Bryant. Some people are still holding him. Four and five in 17 minutes. You add him if Davis is out, and you drop him as soon as Davis plays. Um, pretty easy playbook to read through there, I think. Let's look at the lines of the night. Monstrous does go to the big Chungus himself, Nikola Jokic. The waiver wire is Pig Williams. The young gun is Cam Thomas. And the dud of the night is DeAndre Hunter. Your top 10 players in category leagues today. Number one was Jokic, followed by 
Cam Thomas, LeBron James, Aaron Gordon, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, Bronco Jalen Williams, Nikola Vucevic, Maga Porter Jr. and Shea Gildas-Alexander. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one was Pig. We just talked about that quite a bit. Number two was Muscala. I don't really care about that one. Desumu, if DeRozan's out, sure, we can consider him. I think the upside's low. And then there's just a bunch of nothing here. Number four, Josh Minor. That game is one of the least important games I've ever seen. Number five is Vlako Chanchar. Again, same game. Don't care. Number six is Luka Garza. Oh, guess what? Same game. Don't care. Number seven was Isaiah Joe, always a good three-point streamer. Number eight was Jericho Sims because Hartenstein got into foul trouble. Ten was Tony Warren. He's had so many chances to impress me, and he hasn't. I'm not budging on that one. And then Ish Smith at number 10 because, again, that game was stupid. The top 10 players in points leagues today, number one was Vooch, followed by Jokic, Cam Thomas, LeBron James, Aiton, Aaron Gordon, Jalen Williams, the Bronco, Jarmorant, Jaron Jackson, and Christopher Paul. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.